Book 12, Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, Part 1 of the Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicola K. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 3, by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Book 12, Chapter 1 and Chapter 2. Part 1. Book 12. Containing the Interval of a 170 Years. From the Death of Alexander the Great to the Death of Judas Maccabeus. Chapter 1. How Ptolemy the son of Lagos took Jerusalem and Judea by deceit and treachery, and carried many thence, and planted them in Egypt. Now when Alexander, king of Macedon, had put an end to the dominion of the Persians, and had settled the affairs in Judea, after the forementioned manner, he ended his life. And as his government fell among many, Antigonus obtained Asia, Seleucus Babylon, and of the other nations which were there, Lysimachus governed the Hellespont, and Cassander possessed Macedonia, as did Ptolemy the son of Lagos seize upon Egypt. And while these princes ambitiously strove one against another, every one for his own principality, it came to pass that there were continual wars, and those lasting wars too. And the cities were sufferers, and lost a great many of their inhabitants in these times of distress, insomuch that all Syria, by the means of Ptolemy, the son of Lagus, underwent the reverse of that denomination of Savior, which he then had. He also seized upon Jerusalem, and for that end made use of deceit and treachery. For as he came into the city on a Sabbath day, as if he would offer sacrifices, he, without any trouble, gained the city, while the Jews did not oppose him, for they did not suspect him to be their enemy. And he gained it thus, because they were free from suspicion of him, and because on that day they were at rest and quietness. And when he had gained it, he ruled over it in a cruel manner. Nay, Agatharchides of Nidus, who wrote the acts of Alexander's successors, reproaches us with superstition, as if we by it had lost our liberty, where he says thus, There is a nation called the nation of the Jews, who inhabit a city strong and great, named Jerusalem, these men took no care, but let it come into the hands of Ptolemy, as not willing to take arms, and thereby they submitted to be under a hard master, by reason of their unseasonable superstition. This is what Agatharchides relates of our nation. But when Ptolemy had taken a great many captives, both from the mountainous parts of Judea, and from the places about Jerusalem and Samaria, and the places near Mount Gerizim, he led them all into Egypt, and settled them there. And as he knew that the people of Jerusalem were most faithful in the observation of oaths and covenants, 
and this from the answer they made to alexander when he sent an embassage to them after he had beaten darius in battle so he distributed many of them into garrisons and at alexandria gave them equal privileges of citizens with the macedonians themselves and required of them to take their oaths that they would keep their fidelity to the posterity of those who committed these places to their care nay there were not a few other jews who of their own accord went into egypt as invited by the goodness of the soil and by the liberality of ptolemy however there were disorders among their posterity with relation to the samaritans on account of their resolution to preserve that conduct of life which was delivered to them by their forefathers and they thereupon contended one with another while those of jerusalem said that their temple was holy and resolved to send their sacrifices thither but the samaritans were resolved that they should be sent to mount gerizim chapter two how ptolemy philadelphus procured the laws of the jews to be translated into the greek tongue and set many captives free and dedicated many gifts to god when alexander had reigned twelve years and after him ptolemy soter forty years philadelphus then took the kingdom of egypt and held it forty years within one he procured the law to be interpreted and set free those that were come from jerusalem into egypt and were in slavery there who were a hundred and twenty thousand the occasion was this demetrius phalerius who was library-keeper to the king was now endeavoring if it were possible to gather together all the books that were in the habitable earth and buying whatsoever was anywhere valuable or agreeable to the king's inclination who was very earnestly set upon collecting of books to which inclination of his demetrius was zealously subservient and when once ptolemy asked him how many ten thousands of books he had collected he replied that he had already about twenty times ten thousand but that in a little time he should have fifty times ten thousand but he said he had been informed that there were many books of laws among the jews worthy of inquiring after and worthy of the king's library but which being written in characters and in a dialect of their own will cause no small pains in getting them translated into the greek tongue that the character in which they are written seems to be like to that which is the proper character of the Syrians, and that its sound, when pronounced, is like theirs also, and that this sound appears to be peculiar to themselves. Wherefore he said that nothing hindered why they might not get those books to be translated also. For while nothing is wanting that is necessary for that purpose, we may have their books also in this library." So the king thought that Demetrius was very zealous to procure him abundance of books, and that he suggested what was exceeding proper for him to do, and therefore he wrote to the Jewish high priest that he should act accordingly. Now there was one Aristius who was among the king's most intimate friends, and on account of his modesty very acceptable to him. This Aristius resolved frequently, and that before now, to petition the king that he would set all the captive Jews in his kingdom free. And he thought this to be a convenient opportunity for the making that petition. 
So he discoursed in the first place with the captains of the king's guards, Sosibius of Tarentum, and Andreas, and persuaded them to assist him in what he was going to intercede with the king for. Accordingly, Aristius embraced the same opinion with those that have been before mentioned, and went to the king, and made the following speech to him. It is not fit for us, O king, to overlook things hastily, or to deceive ourselves, but to lay the truth open. For since we have determined not only to get the laws of the Jews transcribed, but interpreted also for thy satisfaction, by what means can we do this, while so many of the Jews are now slaves in thy kingdom? Do thou then what will be agreeable to thy magnanimity and to thy good nature. Free them from the miserable condition they are in, because that God who supporteth thy kingdom was the author of their laws, as I have learned by particular inquiry. For both these people and we also worship the same God, the framer of all things. We call him, and that truly, by the name of Zena, or Life, or Jupiter, because he breathes life into all men. Wherefore do thou restore these men to their own country, and this do to the honor of God, because these men pay a peculiarly excellent worship to him. And know this further, that though I be not of kin to them by birth, nor one of the same country with them, yet do I desire these favors to be done them, since all men are the workmanship of God, and I am sensible that he is well pleased with those that do good. I do therefore put up this petition to thee, to do good to them. When Aristius was saying thus, the king looked upon him with a cheerful and joyful countenance, and said, How many ten thousands dost thou suppose there are of such as want to be made free? To which Andreas replied as he stood by and said, A few more than ten times ten thousand. The king made answer, and is this a small gift that thou askest, Aristius? But Sosibius and the rest that stood by said that he ought to offer such a thank-offering as was worthy of his greatness of soul to that God who had given him his kingdom. With this answer he was much pleased, and gave order that when they paid the soldiers their wages, they should lay down a hundred and twenty drachmas for every one of the slaves and he promised to publish a magnificent decree about what they requested which should confirm what Aristius had proposed, and especially what God willed should be done, whereby he said he would not only set those free who had been led away captive by his father and his army, but those who were in this kingdom before, and those also, if any such there were, who had been brought away since, and when they said that their redemption money would amount to above four hundred talents, he granted it. A copy of which decree I have determined to preserve, that the magnanimity of this king may be made known. Its contents were as follows. Let all those who were soldiers under our father, and who, when they overran Syria and Phoenicia, and laid waste Judea, took the Jews captives, and made them slaves, and brought them into our cities and into this country, and then sold them, as also all those that were in my kingdom before them, and if there be any that have been lately brought thither, be made free by those that possess them. And let them accept of a hundred and twenty drachmas for every slave. 
and let the soldiers receive this redemption money with their pay, but the rest out of the king's treasury. For I suppose that they were made captives without our father's consent, and against equity, and that their country was harassed by the insolence of the soldiers, and that by removing them into Egypt, the soldiers have made a great profit by them. Out of regard, therefore, to justice, and out of pity to those that have been tyrannized over, contrary to equity, I enjoin those that have such Jews in their service to set them at liberty upon the receipt of the before-mentioned sum, and that no one use any deceit about them, but obey what is here commanded. And I will that they give in their names within three days after the publication of this edict, to such as are appointed to execute the same, and to produce the slaves before them also, for I think it will be for the advantage of my affairs. And let every one that will inform against those that do not obey this decree, and I will that their estates be confiscated into the king's treasury. When this decree was read to the king, it at first contained the rest that is here inserted, and omitted only those Jews that had formerly been brought, and those brought afterward, which had not been distinctly mentioned. So he added these clauses out of his humanity, and with great generosity. He also gave order that the payment which was likely to be done in a hurry should be divided among the king's ministers, and among the officers of his treasury. When this was over, what the king had decreed was quickly brought to a conclusion, and this in no more than seven days' time. The number of the talents paid for the captives being above four hundred and sixty, and this because their masters required the hundred and twenty drachmas for the children also, the king having, in effect, commanded that these should be paid for, when he said in his decree that they should receive the forementioned sum for every slave. Now when this had been done after so magnificent a manner, according to the king's inclinations, he gave order to Demetrius to give him in writing his sentiments concerning the transcribing of the Jewish books. For no part of the administration is done rashly by these kings, but all things are managed with great circumspection, on which account I have subjoined a copy of these epistles, and set down the multitude of the vessels sent as gifts to Jerusalem and the construction of every one that the exactness of the artificer's workmanship, as it appeared to those that saw them, and which workmen made every vessel, may be made manifest, and this on account of the excellency of the vessels themselves. Now the copy of the epistle was to this purpose. Demetrius to the great king, when thou, O king, gavest me a charge concerning the collection of books that were wanting to fill your library, and concerning the care that ought to be taken about such as are imperfect, I have used the utmost diligence about those matters. And I let you know that we want the books of the Jewish legislation with some others, for they are written in the Hebrew characters, and being in the language of that nation are to us unknown. It hath also happened to them that they have been transcribed more carelessly than they ought to have been, because they have not had hitherto royal care taken about them. Now it is necessary that thou shouldst have accurate copies of them. And indeed this legislation is full of hidden wisdom, and entirely blameless, as being the legislation of God, for which cause it is 
as Hecateus of Abdera says, that the poets and historians make no mention of it, nor of those men who lead their lives according to it, since it is a holy law, and ought not to be published by profane mouths. If then it please thee, O king, thou mayst write to the high priest of the Jews, to send six of the elders out of every tribe, and those such as are most skillful of the laws, that by their means we may learn the clear and agreeing sense of these books, and may obtain an accurate interpretation of their contents, and so may have such a collection of these as may be suitable to thy desire. When this epistle was sent to the king, he commanded that an epistle should be drawn up for Eleazar, the Jewish high priest, concerning these matters, and that they should inform him of the release of the Jews that had been in slavery among them. He also sent fifty talents of gold for the making of large basins and vials and cups, and an immense quantity of precious stones. He also gave order to those who had the custody of the chest that contained those stones, to give the artificers leave to choose out what sorts of them they pleased. He withal appointed that a hundred talents in money should be sent to the temple for sacrifices and for other uses. Now I will give a description of these vessels and the manner of their construction, but not till after I have set down a copy of the epistle which was written to Eleazar the high priest, who had obtained that dignity on the occasion following. When Onias the high priest was dead, his son Simon became his successor. He was called Simon the Just, because of both his piety towards God and his kind disposition to those of his own nation. When he was dead and had left a young son who was called Onias, Simon's brother Eleazar, of whom we are speaking, took the high priesthood, and he it was to whom Ptolemy wrote, and that in the manner following. King Ptolemy to Eleazar the high priest sendeth greeting. There are many Jews who now dwell in my kingdom, whom the Persians, when they were in power, carried captives. These were honored by my father. Some of them he placed in the army, and gave them greater pay than ordinary. To others of them, when they came with him into Egypt, he committed his garrisons and the guarding of them, that they might be a terror to the Egyptians. And when I had taken the government, I treated all men with humanity, and especially those that are thy fellow-citizens, of whom I have set free above a hundred thousand that were slaves, and paid the price of their redemption to their masters out of my own revenues. And those that are of a fit age I have admitted into them number of my soldiers. And for such as are capable of being faithful to me and proper for my court, I have put them in such a post, as thinking this kindness done to them, to be a very great and an acceptable gift, which I devote to God for his providence over me. And as I am desirous to do what will be grateful to these and to all the other Jews in the habitable earth, I have determined to procure an interpretation of your law, and to have it translated out of Hebrew into Greek, and to be deposited in my library. Thou wilt therefore do well to choose out and send to me men of a good character, who are now elders in age, and six in number out of every tribe. These by their age must be skillful in the laws, and of abilities to make an accurate interpretation of them, 
and when this shall be finished, I shall think that I have done a work glorious to myself. And I have sent to thee Andreas, the captain of my guard, and Aristius, men whom I have in very great esteem, by whom I have sent those first fruits which I have dedicated to the temple and to the sacrifices and to other uses, to the value of a hundred talents. And if thou wilt send to us to let us know what thou wouldst have further, thou wilt do a thing acceptable to me. When this epistle of the king was brought to Eleazar, he wrote an answer to it with all the respect possible. Eleazar the high priest to King Ptolemy sendeth greeting. If thou and thy queen Arsinoe and thy children be well, we are entirely satisfied. When we received thy epistle, we greatly rejoiced at thy intentions. And when the multitude were gathered together, we read it to them, and thereby made them sensible of the piety thou hast towards God. We also showed them the twenty vials of gold and thirty of silver, and the five large basins and the table for the shewbread, as also the hundred talents for the sacrifices, and for the making what shall be needful at the temple, which things Andreas and Aristius, those most honored friends of thine, have brought us. And truly they are persons of an excellent character, and of great learning, and worthy of thy virtue. Know then that we will gratify thee in what is for thy advantage, though we do what we used not to do before, for we ought to make a return for the numerous acts of kindness which thou hast done to our countrymen. We immediately, therefore, offered sacrifices for thee and thy sister, with thy children and friends, and the multitude made prayers that thy affairs may be to thy mind, and that thy kingdom may be preserved in peace, and that the translation of our law may come to the conclusion thou desirest, and be for thy advantage. We have also chosen six elders out of every tribe, whom we have sent, and the law with them. It will be thy part, out of thy piety and justice, to send back the law when it hath been translated, and to return those to us that bring it in safety. Farewell. This was the reply which the high priest made. But it does not seem to me to be necessary to set down the names of the seventy-two elders who were sent by Eleazar and carried the law, which yet were subjoined at the end of the epistle. However, I thought it not improper to give an account of those very valuable and artificially contrived vessels which the king sent to God, that all may see how great a regard the king had for God. For the king allowed a vast deal of expenses for these vessels and came often to the workmen, and viewed their works, and suffered nothing of carelessness or negligence to be any damage to their operations. And I will relate how rich they were as well as I am able, although perhaps the nature of this history may not require such a description, but I imagine I shall thereby recommend the elegant taste and magnanimity of this king to those that read this history. End of Book 12, Chapters 1 and 2, Part 1 Recording by Nicola Kay